all the topics that you avoid, the topics that are like taboo to you. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about the child abuse. I don't want to talk about, you know, all the, the crappy stuff or anything like that. If you find someone to talk to about it, when you, when you actually do start talking about it, there's power in the story. Every time you tell a story, the first time that you tell it, you tell it from the place of a victim, always. The first time you tell a story, you're going to tell it from the place of a victim. But every time you tell that story, you're taking back some of the power in that story and you learn a new perspective. You, you hear yourself saying the story. It creates a bonding experience with whoever you're telling because you, you get to hear their perspective. Uh, it creates a connection because then, you know, you're, you're showing vulnerability in front of them and you're showing that you respect them enough to be able to do that. And at the same time, they feel good that you're confiding in them and they can give you whatever feedback and they'll give you a different perspective, which is what happened in my case. This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 186 with the founder of the Life Teaches Foundation, Yael Johnson. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, You got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston, connector of amazing people and great ideas. And in this session, I'm joined by Andy Dix, executive coach for visionaries, founders, and idealists, as well as the host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. Of course, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. You know, this year we've had multiple guests on who have had to pivot their business one way or another. However, it's something completely different when you're talking about shifting your identity. Uh, This session's guest has been a friend of the show since 2016, and having met her through a Brenda Burchard event, I know that she has made it a focus of hers to help others realize how they can do more with their lives. For her personally, she's realized that she could do more with her life once she had an identity shift. And we've talked about this in depth in the last couple of sessions. And once you see the world differently, you start seeing yourself differently. And from there, you start thinking and acting differently. And in fact, that's the whole perpetual cycle of belief yields action, which yields results, which yields more belief. So in this conversation with Yale, we discussed the power we can give ourselves when we learn who we actually are, how we can think about tackling big projects in our lives, and what she's learned about focusing on what you can actually control. But first, let's talk about my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission. And as I just alluded to in this chat, we'll be finding out just how far you actually are from achieving what you want to do in life. And the truth is, it might just be a few weeks or months away. And a big part of accomplishing meaningful work in life is making sure you're actually trying to be the best you possible. And in fact, that's where most of us get into trouble. You know, the world makes us focus on income so that we can pay the bills and have nice things. However, it really doesn't tell us the best way to do that, nor does it tell us there's other goals in life to focus on. Finding what you should be doing to achieve those things requires you to dig a little deeper. And in fact, it requires you to find your purpose, your passion, and your specific process. And just like when you're traveling, if you don't know where you are, then it's going to be hard to tell you how to get to where you want to be. And if you think of making money as a road to where you want to go, doesn't it make sense to make sure that the road takes you specifically to the right destination? Uh, Something comes along in my mind when the Cheshire Cat and Alice in Wonderland asked Alice, well, where are you trying to go? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, any road will do. So if that makes sense to you, then you'll appreciate Uncover Your Personal Mission. And in writing it, it was my goal to help you figure out where you're at so you know which road to go down. And in it, you'll find questions that will help you find your passion, your purpose, and your process. And that way, you don't get lost trying to be someone 
else when you're building your business. You can grab it for free at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. And let's make sure you get started on your new path the right way. Also, remember, you too can get in on this conversation. All you have to do is tag us on social media and let us know what you've learned from the discussion so far. Also, be sure to leave it a comment on wherever you're listening to the show on. Doing so will not only get you involved, but it will help other people find the show. And in fact, if you leave your review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. And while you're at it, subscribe to the show as well. That way you'll be notified whenever a new episode is available. Also remember, if you need help in scaling your business, drop us a message at heyguysatnewinceptions.com with any questions. Whether you need advice or a strategic introduction to other amazing people, we love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 186. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is JC Preston alongside Andy Dix, executive coach for visionaries, founders, and idealists, and then host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. Hope you're having a great day, and uh, thanks for joining us. Andy, how are you doing? I've noticed that you're not letting this summer fly by, so to speak. Instead, you've been doing a bit of flying yourself. How's that going? Oh, yeah, it's been great. You know, nothing like leaving your mask on the ground and putting on a headset and taking the airplane up for uh, a little bit of a improvement in attitude with altitude. Uh, but I have been working on a big project while uh, while we've been Ooh. sequestered here. So I'd love to yeah. share that. So, you know, one of the things that I found really a challenge and a struggle is so much of what we're experiencing with this COVID crisis is beyond our control. And, and I really felt like, man, you know, there's every day sort of the same. I don't feel like I'm making progress. And oh, by the way, uh, I had gained my COVID 10 plus pounds. And so I <laughs> joined along with my wife. Uh, I, we joined one of the nationwide uh, well-known weight loss programs. And I'm happy to say 30 days later, by working the program on a day-to-day basis, I can now add uh, two gallons of extra fuel to the airplane because I've lost 12 pounds. So, oh. so there you go. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can <laughs> develop and do a little bit of personal improvement even when you are socially distanced and quarantined and, and all that. And I tell you what, I've been feeling great just because I feel like, you know what, this is one thing I can control. What goes in into the mm-hmm. stomach uh, is within my control, and, and, I, and I love it. It's been, it's been a great thing to be doing, and so I encourage people to, you know, gain control of something, whatever you can control, and, and, and it'll make you feel better. Yeah, and it's, it's great that you've actually been able to take that opportunity to do some fun things. I know a lot of people who have really locked themselves into a routine this year, and, and you know, really months are moving faster for them than they've ever have in the past. And I know with you know, the community we're, we're building with America Wellness Consulting, which is the, the pivot company we've been building in the last couple of months, you know, I'm personally meeting all kinds of amazing people who want to, you know, help businesses stay on their feet in, in this really crazy time. Uh, a lot of that is helping the leadership learn how to adjust on the fly. Uh, many corporations aren't really set up to be able to do that. A lot of them are like aircraft carriers compared to a speedboat, which, you know, is unfortunate in itself. I mean, you look at companies like JCPenney or all these ones that we're f- familiar with over the years, and they just simply cannot pivot that quickly. So, but the, but the problem is, is, I think that a lot of individuals aren't able to pivot too quickly for that matter either, which uh, actually leads me to today's chat. And in the past, uh, we've featured friends and fans of the show, and sometimes we've uh, they've been fresh entrepreneurs, and other times they've been seasoned vets who are starting something new. And today's guest is of the latter variety. She is founder of the Life Teaches Foundation, a nonprofit focused on helping people become the best version of themselves who can't really afford the help that they need. Uh, currently, she's developing a podcast that I think many of you will enjoy in the not-too-distant future. And uh, today we're speaking with Yael Ellsworth, who can be found on the web at lifeteaches.org. Yael, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Andy, um, I, I like your, your attitude toward everything going on right now. And it's amazing just the difference in, just the difference an attitude can make. Uh, people are either feeling imprisoned by it, or I know a lot of people who are actually flourishing 
you know, because they have the time to to do that personal personal work. You know, it really is all what you make of it. It's like Viktor Frankl said. Exactly. You know, we are what we think about. So, yo, this is actually a long time coming, Chad, as we've known each other, I think, since like 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually met each other through one of Brenda Burchard's events. And I'm sure, as you'd probably agree, uh, there were a lot of people yeah. that had a great time connecting uh, through that that program. And some started some things and stayed connected while others kind of drifted off into smaller pocket groups of people. But, you know, I remember mm-hmm. it, all the positivity that that event produced for the attendees. Uh, When it comes to self-development, what got you started on your own journey of of self-discovery and and trying to make yourself better? Actually, Brendan Burchard played a big role in it. Really? (laughs) Um, Yes. I actually started this. um, This all started for me when I read his book called Millionaire Messenger. And in that book, he talks about... uh, basically spreading your message and building your life around spreading your message. And that book is specifically like how to monetize it. And, you know, so you can, so you can survive. I mean, so you can sustain, mm-hmm. you know, rather than, rather than going to work, you know, doing your regular nine to five or whatever, and then living your life outside of that. Um, I, I, I felt like I could relate to that because I felt like I was always chasing dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always chasing dollars and I actually remember years ago saying, you know, when my kids were little and I was trying to make plans, like weekend plans for them, um, for all of us as a family. And I was trying to figure out with vacation days and, you know, long weekends and stuff at work, I had to figure out how to schedule something around my work schedule. So I, and I remember making, making the comment saying this whole work thing gets in the way of me living my life. (laughs) So, and ironically, look where I am now. <laughs> right, right. So in today's world, why do you think it's it's necessary for people to take more of an interest in controlling what they can control on their own? I mean, for the most part, society kind of frowns on that, right? Uh, yes, I, I do agree with that. Um, I think that's actually, that's actually the biggest reason that the world needs it is because I feel like we are, we've been programmed, uh, for lack of a better term, um, and not be, not because anyone, you know, wished badly upon us or something. It's just for, for generations, literally thousands of years, you know, we, we've learned to look outside of ourselves for guidance. We've learned what to think instead of how to think. So, and I think people get stuck in a certain mindset. We look outside of ourselves for approval. You know, what should I be doing with my time? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? You know, who am I supposed to marry in some cases? You know, all these things. We we don't, we're not taught um, to look within ourselves. We're taught to look, you know, either, you know, look to your authorities or whether it's, you know, the church or, you know, the government or your parents or whoever. Mm. Somebody's always telling you what to, what you're supposed to be doing. Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting, like right now, um, someone even say that, you know, in this COVID world we we're in, a lot mm-hmm. of people are relying right. a lot on the government to tell them what's exactly. safe and what's not, you know? And I mean, you, right. you can go in two different directions of the conversation there. I mean, yes, there's people mm-hmm. that, you know, know what they're talking about because that's their background. But at the same time, um, there are some equally just as qualified people saying that it's something different. And it's a lot of times it's right. really hard to, you know, determine who to believe in, in situations like that. And I, right. I think one of the things that we would agree on is that you kind of have to go through life mm-hmm. picking or, you know, strategically picking, choosing um, who to listen to. You know, do you listen to yeah. the the big voice that you're, you know, is piped through the the mainstream media, or do you listen to some of these smaller voices that sound just equally as logical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what if what if what your parents are telling you is different than what the government is telling you? Then who do you listen mm-hmm. to? You know, it's someone. You know, you both. You want to listen to both. You want to be respectful of both, but there's a contradiction. So until you figure out what's what you 
believe, what you want, what you're, what you resonate, what resonates with you specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always going to be looking outside. You know, it's interesting what you're saying. What I'm hearing you say is you don't need to ask permission or apologize for pursuing your destiny. Because we're going to get the consequences of the storyline we choose to live regardless. So why not make it the storyline that that really was worth living from your standpoint, right? That's a perfect way to put it, yes. The podcast that actually uh, that JC just mentioned that we're working on is about... um, your story. You are creating your story, your life story. You have created it all along. You are in the process of creating it and you get to create the rest of it too. Um, so as far as in my work, that's pretty much what I do is I, um, I help people figure themselves out, um, and learn to understand themselves and how their life became as it is so that we can retell their story. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, here's a prime example, is when I was a kid, uh, I, I hated my dad. My dad, was, my dad was physically abusive. We never got along. I was, I was a natural rebel. <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, I gave him a hard time, especially as a teenager and stuff like that. Um, but then as an adult, when I got to know him, uh, thankfully, the last year of his life, um, we had a, a good amount of time and we got to know each other. And that, that was life-changing because now as I got to know the way that he was the way he was because he didn't know any better. Mm. He came from Europe. He came from, um, he grew up in, the, in World War II and he didn't have much of an example as far as parenting goes. Um, and he was trying his best. He thought this is how you discipline kids. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's how he grew up and that's what he was saying. His intentions, I never knew his intentions. I only knew from his actions. So when I got to know him as a person, as a grown-up, um, now I feel like I've always been daddy's princess. Hmm. So it's a matter of, I, it's a, my life story sounds completely different these days than it did when I was a teenager or, you know, when I was younger. And so what I'm, what I'm hearing is, though, it's not so much that what he did changed, because that's in the history. You can't rewrite history. Right. But what you, what you did was you put it into a context of, instead of telling you the story of why he did it because he was a mean, rotten SOB that was taking pleasure in, in hurting you, you actually realized that, no, he was someone who really wasn't a very skilled parent who was trying to do the best they could to raise someone to, to be even better as an adult. Uh, and, and whether or not they, they succeeded or not, that's debatable. We're not trying to excuse the behavior, right? But as an adult, if we can understand it and put it into context, then that, that rewrites your whole story. Am I hearing you right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I rewrote the whole story. Um, and putting it into context, that's a, way, that's a great way to put it. Um, when I found out that hey, he, he didn't know what he was doing, he was trying his best. Um, I don't condone by any means. I don't condone, you know, how he reacted or what he, you know, any of his actions, but I understand it. Uh, so I managed, I was able to forgive what I needed to and let it go within myself. And that's just made a huge difference. Um, and yes, he's, he's, he passed away in 2001. Like I said, that was within the last year of his life. Um, and we didn't even know, uh, he passed away suddenly. We didn't even know that was the last year of his life. Mm. So I, I see that as the universe was, you know, gave me a present. You know, I was able to find that peace. Mm. If someone is living a story that so far has, has maybe been a horror story or been a story of rejection mm-hmm. or failure, or whatever they, that they've titled sort of the first half of the book, what, what are some tips that you'd suggest for those who are looking to transform the rest of the story into an epic, heroic adventure that they're going to be proud mm-hmm. to have lived? Where would they start? The most powerful, um, what's, what made the biggest impact is um, 
not hiding from the parts of your story that you've been hiding from. Um, everything that you want to, that you, all the topics that you avoid, the topics that are like taboo to you, I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about the child abuse. I don't want to talk about, you know, all the, the crappy stuff or anything like that. If you find someone to talk to about it, when you, when you actually do start talking about it, there's power in the story. Every time you tell a story, the first time that you tell it, you tell it from the place of a victim, always. Um, the first time you tell a story, you're going to tell it from the place of a victim. But every time you tell that story, you're taking back some of the power in that story. And you learn a new perspective. You, you hear yourself saying the story. Um, it creates a bonding experience with whoever you're telling because you, you get to hear their perspective. Uh, it creates a connection because then, you know, you're, you're showing vulnerability in front of them. And you're showing that you respect them enough to be able to do that. And at the same time, they feel good that you're, that you're confiding in them. And they can give you whatever feedback. And they'll give you, a you know, sometimes a different perspective, which is what happened in my case. Hmm. Um, I got a, you know, I gained a different perspective of everything. Hmm. That's, that's so powerful. I mean, I, I could say the same thing when, when my, my mom passed away in 2010, you know, suddenly I was mm -hmm. the, you know, the adult now. And it's just like, it's a reality check. It really is. I think actually money is probably the best example of that being the most powerful. Because if you think about it, so many people don't want to talk about their money situation. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't want to talk about their money situation. Either they are embarrassed by it or they're, you know, embarrassed or ashamed or feel guilty about it or whatever the case is. But there's stuff that they don't. Hey, that's one of those things that we've we've been programmed to. You don't talk about money. Right. But once but once you do start talking about it with people, then you can exchange ideas. You can, ex, you know, you can learn from other people when you start talking about it. Things start to things start to change as, as long as you um, talk and listen. Mm. The listening part is, um, is an important yes, part too, yes, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and, and in what, in what you were saying before about knowing who to listen to and who not to, mm -hmm. um, that's huge because we get conflicting, we get conflicting advice on that because on the one hand they say, don't listen to other people, follow your, follow your heart. But on the other hand, if you want to make a bigger impact, you got to learn how to listen. So which is it? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, you're talking about making a bigger impact. And, and back when mm -hmm. I had a conversation with uh, Harrison Painter, who was actually one of the co-hosts of the show uh, back in session 117, mm -hmm. we, we actually spoke about all the different groups that we work here in Indy with through Amplify Indy. And one of the which was an organization called Hearts in Hand uh, Homeless Outreach. And essentially, Tag, mm -hmm. uh, the founder, he goes around Indianapolis speaking with his friends on the streets and has made it a mission of his mm -hmm. to help feed them essentially through his own pocket and the donations that he gets for the organization. Uh, you're doing something similar yourself there in, in Joplin. A uh, couple of questions there. What, what specifically mm -hmm. got you interested in helping that community? Well, I, I recently moved down to Joplin. Um, I've only been down here a few months, and Joplin is a smaller town, uh, 50,000 people population, uh, and I moved here from Chicago. Smaller town when it compared to yeah, Chicago. <laughs> compared to Chicago, right, right, exactly. Right. So 50,000, you know, it's, it's not, you know, I guess it's not a tiny mm -hmm. town, but to me, this, this is like Mayberry down here. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, but I noticed that even in such a small town, uh, there are, there's a couple of areas where, you know, I've seen some homeless people um, hanging out and I found out there's a couple of, there are a couple of shelters. So I started kind of, I was curious, that's something that I was working on in Chicago. Um, I was, you know, started, I was getting active in the, in Chicago as far as uh, addressing the homelessness issue. Mm -hmm. Um and when I came down here and I started seeing it down here and then I found out that it's, a, it's, it's the problem's been getting bigger rather than getting smaller. Mm. Um, and I'm talking about the problem as a whole, just for the town. Um, and they are huge on community here. They had, a, uh, they had a tornado or hurricane, I don't remember, back in 2011. Mm. 
that knocked down the whole town and they've rebuilt since then. And there are displays, it's beautifully done. There are displays all over town showing how the community came together and everybody stepped up to help uh, to rebuild the town and the town is flourishing now. So anyway, with homelessness, um, I started talking to people to find out what the, you know, what are they, what's being done to address the problem. And there's a lot of resources down here, um, but uh, I did find I, I did find one hole in the system is they don't have um, a case management, uh, an organization that specifically does case management. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of resources down here, but they're being underutilized because there's nobody to help them to help someone manage. You know, if you've got one person working, you know, to help you find a job and someone else working with you to keep your bills paid, and then maybe you're, you know, maybe you're taking care of your mental health or whatever. So you've got all these different organizations or whatever that are helping you, all these resources that you're using. But if you're having trouble following along, you know, you know, you've got appointments, you've got, you know, documentation or whatever. Um, If you had somebody helping you keep track of things, a case manager, you'd be able to better utilize those resources um, and coordinate everything. Hmm. That's, the, that's the way I see it. So I've been talking to someone about, um, we've been talking about creating a case management program down here. Hmm. That's, that's cool. One of the uh, interesting side note, uh, Regis Philbin just passed away and you know he has mm-hmm. a strong connection to to Notre Dame, and one of the connections he has um, was the Center for Homeless in South Bend. And uh, in fact, I think it was back in 20, 2008, he actually did, there mm-hmm. was like a, like some sort of a, an event that he actually, it was like a dance uh, event that, you know, he was able to throw, put together and, and be a part of. And, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, efforts like that uh, get started, but then you start catching on with some of these larger names and it's just amazing how things can snowball into really awesome endeavors like that. And, you know, South Bend isn't the largest place in the world either. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, how can someone start tackling a, a big problem like homelessness in their own community? I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just one person. You know, what can I do? Right. Not, not everybody has to, not everybody has to, you know, solve world problems, Mm -hmm. but to make a bigger impact, you got to take care of yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup. You can't be helping everybody else and fixing the world. If your own life is falling apart. Right. So I think that's, I think that is the most crucial point that a lot of people, that most people fall into is they're, they're busy trying to help everybody else. And I, I, for one, can say that I used, to, I used to do that for the purpose of avoiding my own life because I didn't, I didn't want to deal with it. Remember all those things that I said that, you know, rather than hiding from the stories that you don't want to tell? Well, that's what I was doing. I would, I would bury myself in other people's drama mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that I didn't have to deal with my own. And then I'd get frustrated because I felt like they weren't listening to me. Well, why would they listen to me if my own life is a mess? Yeah, I, I think a lot of college kids could say the same thing if they actually came mm-hmm. to you know a truth with themselves that right. you know they're they do. I, I would say that a, a good a good group of of college college students do that simply because here they are acting out what the world tells them to do. And something mm-hmm. in them internally is rejecting it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they want to figure that out. But instead of figuring out themselves or knowing where to even start, what do they do? You know, they go to protests and they do all these, these social events that make them feel good, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily right. addressing the, the underlying issue. I, I honestly, I, as ironic as it sounds, um, while I was fighting homelessness in Chicago. Um, I was not looking at my own stuff and I was, I had a house of my own 
But that house was costing me a fortune, and um, and I wasn't, I didn't, I did, wouldn't tell at the time. I wouldn't tell my money story at all. Um, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, so in the meantime, I wasn't, I wasn't making, I wasn't earning much money. I wasn't able to cover myself, but I was working to, you know, I was volunteering and I was working to fight homelessness. And in the meantime, I was, my savings was dwindling down Mm -hmm. by the end of it. By the time I, I sold my house, uh, earlier this year. Um, and that's, that's when I moved down here. But by the time I was done, if my house wouldn't have sold at the time it did, um, I had about one month, one month's worth of savings Mm. left. Mm. Plus a plus a bunch of debt that I'd acquired. Right. So I was busy taking care of everybody else. And I, I had other people living at my house because, you know, they didn't have someplace else to go or whatever. So that house was there to take care of everybody else. So that was one of the reasons that I decided that it was time to let it go. Because that's that's I feel like it served its purpose. It was it was a great home for myself, for you know, it was my childhood home. I was raised there and then I bought it from my parents. And I raised my kids there. So combined, we owned that. My family owned that house for 40 years. But I let it go because it was with other people. Um, so, of course, you know, a lot of these, the, the dreams that we're talking about, they don't explicitly have to happen in a nonprofit world, for example. Uh, you can mm-hmm. actually right. make uh, social enterprises from, from s- such efforts as well. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think... You know, people that are in the business world might understand them as more of like B Corp examples. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I could actually see, for example, setting up a building where you have homeless not only staying there, but running little businesses as well. And in fact, you know, that's something that can Mm -hmm. be compared here to the Hope Center. Uh, they run an, a number of things at, here in Indy, including uh, an, an event space, a boutique, a, a coffee shop, uh, even a garden. Uh-huh. And it seems that they're always adding to that list. What are some of the the ideas or, or you know thoughts that you've had in, in, in helping the homelessness where you're at? Or what work could you envision other people doing as they, sell, they sign up the, the help? My thought right now, the first thing I was thinking of is uh, getting all those resources together and letting them be known, I, creating an event. I don't, I'm not sure right now with the whole COVID thing, I'm not sure how much we'll be able to do right now, uh, but my intention is to create, um, to do an event, kind of like a trade show, but with, um, you know, where they'd have different, I don't know about booths, but, you know, I'd like to keep it less formal than that, but... The point is I want all the resources to be known by the public. So the homeless community, it would probably be, I'm thinking like a picnic or barbecue or something in the park or something with, um, with all these resources available and anybody could come, you know, whether you're homeless, whether you're in the community and you want to, and you want to help and see what's going on. I've also talked to, I've talked to some small businesses. Um, I do know of, uh, I do know some businesses who said that they want to help and be more a part of the solution, but they hesitate because they don't want to feed into the problem. They don't want to, you know, shell money out to an organization where they, where they feel like it's feeding the problem, where you're just giving them a fish instead of teaching them how to fish, so to speak. They would rather see something you know, a bigger picture solution rather than just someplace safe for now. They want to see the problem being addressed, the problem of, you know, homelessness in the community. Mm-hmm. So, and they, once they know what's going on and they're, you know, these, it, it really is being addressed and they hear the success stories and they hear, you know, you know, how everybody's working together and stuff, then they're, it would also draw in the, some of the small businesses for, do, for more donations, for more, you know, make more resources available. I, I just see it as, I, I'm, I'm big on teamwork. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the bottom line. Um, that's, the, that's the first thing that I would like to work towards with them. That and the case management program that I was telling you about. 
so we can tell you're really passionate about this. Yael. Speaking of a project, though, that, that you're also passionate about and just getting mm-hmm. started is your, your new podcast. Uh, what can you tell us about it mm-hmm. and what can we expect to hear? Uh, well, I'm I'm really excited about it because I've while I've done you know interviews like this before, I've never you know been behind the scenes or anything like that. Um, and my friend Steve has uh, his niche, I guess you'd say. Um, his thing is storytelling. Um, he's very creative. Um, he actually, like me, came from a numbers background, you know, from accounting to creative. For both of us, it's it's ironic how many similarities there are. Um, but his thing is stories, um, going from the cozy cottage to prosperity palace, is the metaphor that he came up with, which I love. Um, just pretty much the same same belief as me about retelling your story. You can't you can't change the past, but you can retell it in a different way. Um, so the podcast is going to be about learning how to uh, dissect your own story, I guess, and stop hiding from it. And I will be exchanging stories, you know, our own stories. We'll be doing some interviews. Um, right now we're still in the planning stages of it, but I'm, I'm just enjoying the journey of it. <laughs> well, it, it, sounds, it sounds like an intriguing topic. And, and I know a lot of the people listening to, to this show are interested in mm-hmm. either owning their own business or already do. And they want to stay mm-hmm. in the game as long as they can and provide a, a life they're proud of and, and one that, that supports their lifestyle that they really want to live. Mm-hmm. And so how do you think or would you advise maybe in the podcast in a future episode that, that these people can really get the keys to that prosperity palace that they want to live in? Uh, I think the number one obstacle is fear, always. It's fear of the unknown. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the clients that I work with, the first thing that, that we end up talking about is it's, it's almost like I'm giving them permission to dream. Um, I had, there was one woman who we actually connected on a, a coaching call. We were, we were both on someone else's coaching call. And they asked the question, where do you see yourself in five years? And she, she absolutely, uh, she kind of stammered about it. And she said she absolutely could not because she had small kids and there were too many factors and five years and who knows and stuff like that. So um, anyway, she and I connected after that. And when, while we were talking, I asked her, okay, how about, okay, what about in 20 years? By that time, let's say everything goes your way and the kids are already grown. They're already, they've already become the people that you want them to become, you know, or, you know, whatever. Um, and then in 20 years, you've already got the education. Where do you see your life then? So I basically, I kind of zoomed her out a little bit. And then with that, she was able to come up with something. Um, she was able to come up with a vision as far as what she wants to be doing and what she sees for herself. Um, and then we brought it down. By the time we were done, she had it down to she could see this happening within the next like three or four years. Mm. Yeah. So zooming out on a longer yeah. time high, high timeline, mm-hmm. she was able to see what she really wanted. And then right. zooming in, she could see what the next steps were. Right. Because looking at it too close... All she could see was, you know, in five years, like I said, her kids were babies. So in five years, I don't know how the kids are going to do in school. Hopefully the kids will be healthy. I don't know if I'll, you know, if, will I be go back to work by then? But I don't know what my husband will be doing, whatever. You know, there's so many options. There's so many factors that it, it was overwhelming to her. So I just kind of took that away. I took the stress of that away. I took away all the factors that she was blocking herself from dreaming. Um, and yeah, that seemed to work for her. <laughs> That's great. So besides the the podcast and, and the friends on the street project, because I don't I don't call them homeless people. I don't call them homeless. They're I, they're people like without that, homes. Um, what mm-hmm. what else are you excited about in? 2020 and, and beyond? 
Uh, well, I'm getting married. Oh, <laughs> That's one cool. thing I'm excited about. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, so as far as, and my life teaches is growing. Um, I feel like that's a long time coming. I've been, I was kind of stuck for a long time. Um, and I feel like life teaches is finally starting, is finally thriving. Um, and uh, the life, uh, as far as the life coaching, I've been, um, I've got, I've got room for a couple more clients right now, but it's nice to know that I do have clients right now yeah. because for a long time I didn't. Um, so I guess those are the those are the biggest things happening for me in my life right now. But I, I feel like my life is, I, I'm literally living a dream right now. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> so as we're ending today's awesome conversation, and again, this has pretty, been pretty insightful. And it's again, it's nice to have someone that's starting things uh, as opposed to being someone that's you know one and kind of t- you know looking back on things. So it's again always nice mm-hmm. to get that that earlier perspective. Uh, going to give you the rapid fire question segment. And again, we'll ask you the questions quickly, but you don't necessarily have to respond as quick. So the first question I have okay. for you is, uh, who are three influencers or teachers that have helped you get to where you're at today? Brendan Burchard, mm-hmm. uh, Abraham Hicks, and, and, you know, just influences from my growing up. Mm. Mm. So, which I'm, I'm going to say my spiritual guides because, you know, they're gone, you know, most of them are gone and they're just the, they're just who influenced me, um, up until this point. Andy. Super. So what do you think is the most powerful coaching question that you'd love to ask your clients? Um, what are you grateful for? I think has made the biggest impact because a lot of the people that I work with are busy looking at what they don't have. Um, and I think that's where, that's what keeps them stuck. And that's usually like the first exercise that we work on is um, kind of we're, re- we're rewiring your brain to look at what you have as opposed to what you don't have. Mm-hmm. For example, that, for example, in this whole COVID thing, you know, I have, I have several clients who are, you know, very, very stressed about the fact that they're locked in and they, you know, they can't socialize and stuff like that. So my working with them is um, helping them focus on what they do have, you know, the connections they do have. And, um, you know, your relationship with these people has has gotten closer, even though you can't see them, feel them, you know, or hug them or anything like that. Um, you've gotten closer because now you've had a, more of a chance to talk to them. So, you know, this, this is an example of something that you do have. And now you have time to do the things that you didn't have time to do before. Again, just it's a matter of just changing your perspective and rewiring your brain. A grateful heart attracts more to be grateful for. Oh, I love that. Yep. Hmm. What message is out there that is a disservice to youth? go to college. <laughs> and I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-college. If, if whatever you want to go towards, if whatever you want to move towards, if that's what, if you need that, you need the degree, if you need, um, you know, if even the education, but I feel like that, I feel like it's pushed a lot more than I feel like it's pushed just for the sake of going to college mm-hmm. uh, because so many people go into college and they don't, my first question when someone tells me they want to go back to school or they, you know, they're going to school. Mm-hmm. My first question is, Oh, what do you want to do with it when you're done? You know, whatever, whatever they're majoring in, whatever they're studying, what do you want to do with it when you're done? A lot of times they don't even know. Yeah. And if it's to go, just, they have no idea what they're doing it. So why, why are you, you're shelling out, you know, God forbid you're shelling out, you know, $50,000 for it, you know, or more, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars in some cases, yep. and you don't even know what you want to do with it. Yep. Well, and I can say that, you know, from firsthand experience, you know, I having gotten my master's, right. And I was thinking about going mm-hmm. the PhD route for a good part of my life. Right. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just like, 
you know, I, I totally share that perspective. It's just, it, it, especially as expensive as school has become, if you're mm-hmm. not purposely going to school, there are better ways mm-hmm. that you can spend your time and figuring out what you want to do with your life and or exactly whatever. Exactly. Like I said, I mean, if that, if whatever you want to do, if going back to school is, you know, if that's the route to take to get there, then by all means, but don't go to college just because someone said go to college. <laughs> or, right. Or, 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 you know, it, there's other ways of making income, uh, to be honest. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, if that's, if that's, if you have a niche for like a STEM sort of, of, uh, program or interest, by all means, go to school. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I mean, right. how many baristas do you know that have a degree in humanities, for example? And it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, that's a good example. It's just like, uh, okay, uh, probably not the best time, uh, use of, of your resources and or time to go through, you know, right. art history or whatever, if you're just going to end up uh-huh. you know, serving coffee. So, <laughs> well, let me just. In talking with you, which it's been a, a joy to, my last question is, you've got so many com- competing plot narratives going in your life story right now. Mm-hmm. When you become overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do to get back on track? I journal. Um, I, call it, I call it Babylon paper, just because it's fun to say. When I was a kid, it was, you know, you think of the Tower of Babel. Um, so I call it Babylon paper. Um, and what it is, I basically, I journal, it's kind of, it's kind of like the speed round where I'm, when I journal, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I grab a pen and a, and a notebook and I just start writing, no editing, no thinking, no nothing, just start writing, just even if it's words. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of my journal entries starts with, start out with, I'm not sure what I'm writing, but I just, I knew I got to write. And then it just kind of flows from there. Um, it's just a matter of just getting it out of my head. Because when I'm overwhelmed, it's because I've got too many things just circling around. Um, I call it, a, I, I always picture it kind of like a racquetball court, you know, with the ball just bouncing around. Yeah. Um, and it's just bouncing around in my head and just putting it down on paper just helps me get it out. And I usually write until I end up with an aha moment. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's half a page. Sometimes it's eight pages. So. But for me, that's what works. And there's nothing wrong with using speech to text either if you want to do it all on your phone, as long as, you know, you have something that's recording all that information. I've, yeah. So final question, what's it mean to Mm -hmm. live a life of abundance? Um, It's, there's a feeling associated with it. Um, A life of abundance I I can't help but, I hate to take it this route, but I can't help but think as opposed to a life of scarcity Mm -hmm. or thinking in lack, Mm -hmm. thinking in terms of lack. So that goes back to what are you focused on? Are you thinking about everything you have in your life or are you thinking about everything that's missing from your Mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. So I feel like a life of abundance in different areas, whether it's money, in relationships, in you know, career or fulfillment, family, whatever, in any area. Yeah. Law of attraction is real, folks. That's uh Yes. That's that's what she was getting at there. Absolutely. Cool. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, Yael, I mean, this has been a, a really quick uh almost fifty minutes uh, of a conversation here. Uh people can find you on lifeteaches.org. Where can people find you on social mm-hmm. media? On social media, uh, there is a business page of Life Teaches Foundation. Uh, we also have, I also have a group page called Life Teaches. And I encourage people to join uh, the Life Teaches group. Uh, the purpose of that is to start conversations. Uh, there's a lot of times we have conversations on there that, you know, maybe aren't the easiest to have. But I, I actually kind of like seeing seeing conflicting opinions on there um, because I help I help people I kind of will interject to help them say what they mean without sounding you know without everybody 
without other people taking offense or whatever. And if someone does take offense, then I kind of, I kind of will interject and mediate and stuff like that. So people are, people get to give their opinion without coming across like a lot of times it comes across on social media, if you right. know what I mean. And, and we're talking, <laughs> uh, those are on Facebook, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Those are both on Facebook. Okay. Super. Well, again, yeah, it was a, it was a good power hour for those, uh, I'm sure listening and, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy your next chapter. Thank you so much. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Yael. You know, she has a great perspective on what it takes to actually make a transition of one's life as she's done it multiple times herself. And in fact, I appreciate her perspective enough that she'll be on as a future co-host of the show. Also, you heard her right. She's actually gotten married since the conversation was recorded. So another big congratulations to her moving forward in that aspect of her life as well. In today's show note extras, I have a few videos relating to some of the topics that we talked about today. And the first one, I have a video of Yael's, which is reading a poem she made back in 96 and really is the core of the Life Teaches Foundation. Next up, she mentioned two of her favorite influencers are Abraham Hicks and Brenda Broussard. So I have a video of Abraham talking about what it takes to achieve big things. And then after that, I have a video of Brendan talking about how we can alter how we perceive ourselves and how others perceive us as well. And finally, I have a video of Tony Robbins where he's talking about the ingredients we need in life to have a meaning and success in our lives. And I feel that these videos really do a great job of wrapping up this conversation that we've had with Yael today. Again, you can check those out and other show notes at newinceptions.com slash 186. So that's a wrap for session 186. Be sure to check out my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission, so that you too can start your own path of meaningful work. You can find it again at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. And so with that said, thanks for spending some time with Yael, my Andy, and myself today. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.